We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Hello, welcome into another 3 Ma Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined today by just Derek Young. He is the only thread holding together the podcast over the next couple of days. We are planning on getting you another one tomorrow with a very special guest that we've been working with uh, schedule-wise, and I think it's going to work out finally tomorrow. Hopefully you do get that, and uh, Derek and Cole will have you there. I will be gone. So we're all taking turns here, shuffling around, but you know what? That's why there's three of us, right? Okay, if you have three... If this were just two ma, it would be a lot more difficult if one person is gone. But three ma, it works out pretty well. You see, we're smart. We're smart here at uh, yeah. KTSN. Yeah, um, I'm sure. I'm sure that was the thought process behind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, not not only was it good marketing, but it also doubled as a, a great strategy for when one of us has something come up. So uh, it's been working out well. Appreciate all of you who uh, listen each and every week. We also obviously appreciate the support of Holiday Distillery. Whether it's 360 Vodka, whether it is the bourbon that you want, Holiday Distillery has you hooked up. Uh, 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday, bottled in bond bourbon. If bourbon is more your style, which I know it is for basically all of us here, but no matter what it is you're celebrating, Holiday Distillery can get you hooked up and uh, maybe commiserating as well. Celebrating, commiserating, whatever the occasion, uh, they can hook you up. We appreciate their support here on the pod. So what we're going to do today is basically take you through an update on really football and basketball recruiting, which is what we've had going on for a while now. But there continue to be stories popping up, and I think very exciting stories popping up now with football. We're on the cusp of, I think, having the most celebratory 3 Ma pod episode yet, but not quite there yet. The reason I say that is because K-State is flirting with getting a commitment now from Avery Johnson, the Elite 11 four-star quarterback out of Mays who visited over this past weekend, had, uh, by all accounts, a very good visit. He did not commit, and he does have Oregon left as the final visit. I know what you're thinking. I know everybody out there would be looking at this somewhat skeptically thinking, all right, well, Oregon's a pretty – that's a pretty tough out if you're trying to beat them in recruiting, and Oregon may now be more zeroed in on Avery Johnson because of how some of the quarterback dominoes have fallen. But I trust one man and one man only on the topic of Avery Johnson – and that is the man that is on this podcast with me, Derek Young. And D.Y., you continue to reinforce with me that things are, are looking pretty good right now for K-State with a potential kind of 
transcendent talent at quarterback here in Avery Johnson. Yeah, kind of going back on what you touched on first, too, I would reflect and say that Kansas State fans are pretty blessed this offseason. It is not a boring one. Um, they don't have to just sit there with nothing to do, waiting for fall camp to arrive or, or the first football game to arrive. It's I, We're headed for a pretty jam-packed summer where there's not really a lull in terms of the information that they can absorb. And, and hopefully some of it will be good information. And, you know, Still, to me, there is no red flags when it comes to the Avery Johnson recruitment. I still feel really good about Kansas State's chances. Again, they're not across the finish line just yet, as you alluded to, so I'm not saying it's done because it's not done. But it's as close to done as you can be without being done, I guess is, is a good way to put it. Um, I think, I mean, it would really have to take a detour for it to not go their way, in my opinion. Um, a lot of things are working in their favor. Um, the only thing that's not would be everyone's PTSD still, um, just because these have had a knack for not going their way the past handful of years. But I do think that we're tracking towards this being the one that kind of flips that. And if I was going to also argue, I would say I think that momentum was already being flipped. I think Will Ancio was a sign of that when he picked Kansas State over, what, nearly 10 other Power 5 offers. The same thing with Wesley Fair when he picked the Cats over Iowa State. How about all those um, late transfers um, for this season, whether it be Gavin Forsha or Jordan Wright, when you're knocking off the likes of Florida State, USC, and Texas um, for players of that ilk. So I guess what I would say is um, – I understand the PTSD and that maybe this everyone's hoping that this is the one that kind of reverses those trends. But if, you know, if I really look into it, I think those trends were starting to be reversed already. Um, whether that's because they, you know, they have a more clear path of where they are going and are, are a little bit more aligned in that way. And they got the staff kind of, you know, probably about, everywhere they want to be and having the right guy in the right place, or if it's just, you know, a product of a handful of years now at the helm where you understand the program that you are selling more, you understand your own roster more, you understand the more the, your schemes more, and you're able to deliver that as a recruiting message, probably a little bit more succinctly. Um, you also probably have a better way of connecting to these kids because now you've these types of kids have been the ones that you've been conversing with for three or four years, the same with the high school coaches. So it might be a product of all of that. You combine it all. And that's why you're seeing some of the successes that were just weren't existing before. But I think things are really headed in the right direction. Well, you can tell that they are because when I led read your last update yesterday on K-State online, uh, I spent about 20 minutes watching Avery Johnson highlights on YouTube. And okay. you know, you know how paranoid I've been about this DY. Like I, I was not going to let my heart get uh, fully into it, but I'm, I'm feeling you're, confident enough about it now that I, I, I'm letting my heart get into this thing. And your type of quarterback. I mean, he's not. Dude, the, he is fast. Yeah, this is not the board. This is not the statue pocket passer just going to sit back there and toss it around like a Tom Brady, for example, or I guess, or maybe some of the other quarterbacks that have been through. Um, he's more mobile than Skylar Thompson, right? This He can really fly and he's got, Probably, you know, would if he walks into Kansas State's locker right now, you know, probably top three, top four on the team and, and lateral elusiveness too. He can really make things happen in the open field. Let me see what you think about this this comp for his, and I know it'll 
this is obviously like very high end, but like the way he runs, like his style of running and the acceleration, like it, it was like Kyler Murray esque. I thought the way that I was watching that, like yeah, that, just yeah, I would know, say he's kind of a. I mean, he doesn't even on on a field like I was watching highlights of the Mays Derby game. Even on that field, like he still looks relatively small. You know, I mean, he looks like a smaller guy, which maybe isn't fair to him. You know, overall, he's, but he's, he's thin. Yeah. Thin. And so, yeah, thin and just like takes off like a rocket, doesn't need a whole lot of space, has a little bit of wiggle to him and then just shoots right through there. Yeah. He's he's explosive. He really is. Kyler Murray probably is a good – they just have very different body types. But right, um, right, right. maybe the way they move um, – because even if you like tried to compare it to Lamar Jackson, it's like Lamar's just a lot faster. Like that that's almost sprinter speed there with Lamar Jackson. I think Kyler Murray too, actually. But uh no, he I mean, we're we're not saying he's these guys, obviously, but we're kind of just shedding light on the kind of athlete that he is. There's a reason why he dominates in all three sports. Yeah, not and not just that. I mean, also obviously can really sling it, you know. I mean, you don't become yeah. an elite eleven quarterback if you can't sling it. That, that's not gonna be just based on your legs and your running ability. This is this is an incredible talent at quarterback. Um, as excited as we all were about Jake Rubley a couple of years ago, I mean, I think the the buzz is is clearly clearly much more for Avery Johnson coming out of high school than it was for for Jake Rubley at the time. And the Elite Eleven is is probably the one thing that we could really hold up for sure to to emphasize that point. Another point I wanted to make here because you were talking about the coaching staff and like why they're taking steps forward and why it seems like the recruiting message is uh selling much better to this class than say the 2020 class that had all those great kids from Kansas that K-State just missed out on I would say some of this is like Chris Kleiman's evolution because I know I've heard you talk Derek about the relationship that Avery has with Colin Klein and and how important that has been and Colin Klein was elevated to offensive coordinator this offseason which seemed to really help out the recruitment process here with Avery Johnson Maybe you can even trickle that down to like Josh Manning, who seemed to have a really good time there. Like they, they seem to be doing better with receivers. Thad Ward has helped out with that at, at receivers coach also. But the whole point there is Chris Kleiman got to the point where he finally made tough decisions. You know, I mean, he got rid of guys that were OG staff members, including one and Cordy Messingham, who was a childhood friend of his at offensive coordinator. Like he made tough decisions that now seem to be reaping some pretty big benefits for this program, one of which seems to be actually being able to attract some elite offensive talent like Avery Johnson. Yeah, it kind of goes back to, like I said, and you nailed it, of course, but getting the right guys in the right spots. I think Colin Klein is the offensive coordinator, probably pretty green. He's probably going to be one of the more younger offensive coordinators in the country, I would imagine. But that's just the right guy in the right spot at the right time, um, at least early. Um, with small sample size, right? This is like half a recruiting period and one bowl game against the team that didn't want to be there. So um, I was going to say, wait until, wait until, uh, you know, game two, drive yeah. three, we might, and, you know, they're stalling out with a couple three and outs. Yeah. We might be jumping to conclusions, but now's the time to do that. And every, I think, effect from that hire has been a positive one thus far. So are we still in the honeymoon period? Absolutely. But if that honeymoon period is going to consist of a bunch of recruiting wins, you're not going to apologize for it. That board, another great choice. He's been one of the top assistants on the recruiting trails since he's been here. And, and it hasn't been long. He's making um, his presence felt. I think we'll, we'll probably continue to find out how, just how good of a recruiter he is. And he is um, in the coming month or two, because I think there's probably still more dominoes, that will unfold that'll probably shed some pretty good light on him as well. 
Yeah, um, I mean, it, well, it just seems like the, you know, to that point, like to that end, the most momentum right now on the recruiting trail is like with all skill guys offensively. And that's, you know, not something we've thought of K-State being real deep yeah. and well-versed in, in the Chris Kleiman era. They do have a lot to sell there too, um, as opposed to maybe in the past. And I'm not saying that that's like the thing, but it just something that also came to my mind. There is a lot of playing time to sell at running back and wide receiver because Malik Knowles, probably last year. Phillip Brooks, probably last year. Cade Warner, probably last year. Shabazzan Taylor already left the program. There is a kind of a vacuum there after the 2022 season in a lot of spots on this team. That's why everyone's like, man, the Kansas State's really got to cash into this season where they are so talented in a lot of areas. They're more talented than they've been accustomed to being. But a lot of those guys are going to leave. So there is a lot of playing time to sell, and having that carrot probably doesn't hurt. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, valuable insight there. Speaking of these skill position talents, Dylan Edwards is one of those who's going to be visiting this weekend. There was, for a while there, discussion about whether or not he would even take an official visit just because he's he's been to K-State so many times unofficially and you only get the five officials. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like K-State has gotten pretty good news on, on that front. And, I mean, hey – just throwing this out there. I know DY believe you were the one that first floated this idea to me, but now I have it in my head, but you know, what, what is, what is, what is Sunday? What it's is Sunday? Day. Where did, uh, where did Dylan Edwards father play football? Manhattan, Kansas. That'd be K-State. So, you know, maybe committing to K-State on, on father's day to cap off uh, a visit this weekend. Potentially. That's a pretty, yeah, it would be pretty storybook and make a lot of sense. So, um, probably maybe something to keep an eye on. I don't know that he has that intention going in, what I will say is why, and everyone's picking up on this, everyone's starting to come around, and his recruitment is very volatile. So you you can't, you can't think one thing one day and automatically assume it's going to be the same thing the next day. Um, and that's not a knock against him. I think he's just kind of indecisive and enjoying it in his own way. Um, whether people enjoy that or not, he does. And that's probably what matters here. But along with that whole Father's Day angle that you can play Oklahoma picked up a running back commit on what was it Wednesday evening actually his name's escaped me I think it's Caleb Hicks I don't know. I think that's who it was Caleb Hicks running back for Oklahoma I think they're also considered the leader for a Dalen Smothers and as I was about to say you see and I know people are out there they're on social medias and they see the buzz um, I think people are starting to project Dylan Edwards to Kansas State I think the momentum is probably going in that direction. What I will say is I don't know if those predictions are happening because we know what Dylan Edwards is going to do. I think it's an assumption because they, because I think most thought that Oklahoma was just going to land them pretty easily. Um, I always said that Oklahoma was probably going to be the biggest threat to Kansas State. Not that Kansas State couldn't beat them, but they would be the biggest threat. I think most just assumed Oklahoma would win. Um depends on who you listen to, whether they make a big, they've made a big push for him or not. Um, sometimes it looks like they are. Sometimes it looks like they aren't. What I will say is you host a kid for four different visits. One of them being for the spring game barbecue, another one being for the big barbecue in June. That's also an official visit. That school is probably recruiting that kid. Like they want him. So I think he, I think they absolutely wanted him. I just think that he dragged his feet a little bit and they're probably going to fill up. And that might have be more have to do with them not sealing the deal with Edwards. You do, Oh, so you think it's the problem is Oklahoma didn't seal the deal enough with him? 
I, I think so because I I because I they pushed they pushed. You don't host a kid on an official visit. You don't bring them in for your big a hundred thousand seat spring game. You know the attendance um, without really wanting him, and he never budged. Um, he kept visiting, but he never made that decision like they expected. I mean, Oklahoma analysts they thought he was going to be committed to to the Sooners by what March it seemed like or April. Just yeah. never happened. Um, not saying Kansas State's going to get them because they're the last one standing because Missouri's still pushing. Um, you know, Jackson State and Deion Sanders, they, they've wanted to get involved. It doesn't seem like that's necessarily transpiring. So, KU's really trying Nebraska, hard. Is Nebraska involved here? Nebraska. Um, Nebraska's having a big uh, big June. They're getting a lot of commitments this month too. So it just seems that, you know, if you can't really, like I said, he, is, he has had a volatile recruitment. But the last few steps that we've seen in the last 48 to 72 hours would lean someone to thinking that Dylan Edwards seems to be concentrating on Kansas State um, as if it is the final stage. Like there's been times where he dri- feels like he's drifted away from K-State. Some of that I think is was just intentional for him to kind of reveal to other coaching staffs and programs that he wasn't a lock. I think he wanted to be recruited like someone that might go somewhere else just so they wouldn't stop recruiting him. But I think at the end of the day, we're seeing it kind of come full picture now, full circle. So the circle is coming back to where it started and, and that's Kansas state. That's the, the sense I get. But at the end of the day, if you make a prediction on Dylan Edwards, you got to be prepared to kind of eat your words. Cause he's, uh, it's been an unpredictable recruitment. No doubt. Uh, so Josh, Josh Manning is another name I threw out there. Four-star receiver. He visited with, Avery over the weekend took some sweet pictures, man. Those guys rocking like some Zubaz and letter jackets. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting combo. Yeah, I tell you what, they can pull it off though. I mean, listen, that is I, me and you would not be able to pull that off, but if you're if you're Avery Johnson and Josh Manning, you definitely can. Yeah, I mean, there was for a while. I think the slam dunk, like best official visit picture we saw, like of Kansas State, because now they all do professional photos. Every every Power Five school make them look really cool was when T Denson was like in the barber shop when that first like busted onto mm-hmm. the scene. I think it was T Denson. And I don't know that that one's ever been overtaken. Maybe Jaron Canick had some really cool ones, but you know, Canick did the thing like where he's like sitting on the wildcat. The, the yeah. Wildcat. Yeah. So, so, and those are cool. And maybe that overtook T Denson, but he never picked Kansas state. So you can't give that mantle to him. Now, Avery Johnson and Joshua Manning, I think they might steal that thunder away from T Denson, especially since he's in West Lafayette playing for Purdue at the moment. Well, yeah, so where, where do things sit with, with Manning then? Yeah, I feel pretty comfortable. I thought it was going to be Kansas State or Missouri. Um, it sounded more like maybe Nebraska is ahead of Missouri, um, so maybe that's the threat, although Nebraska is also leveling up there at receiver. Um, they're expected to land Amari on Miller, um, complete the flip from LSU because they got the former LSU receivers coach, Mickey Joseph. I think they've, they already landed Jaden Doss out of the Kansas City area. Um, they're right there for Malachi Coleman, who, who's a freak from, uh, I think he's from Lincoln, Omaha, one of those two. So, you know, whether they have room, they probably can squeeze some room in there for Manning, but the dominoes are falling right for that one as well. And I, I know we keep saying that, so people are probably freaking out more and more, like there's too much good news here, but everything's falling right at, at the moment. And um, something not to overlook because – you know, I think I was overlooking it because I was like, yeah, you know, it's not, you know, a brother or anything. So I don't know if it's that enormous at the end of the day. I think having his cousin Taj Manning, I think those two are closer than we originally knew. 
And I think having Taj Manning, the basketball signee that just enrolled at Kansas State there, is actually playing a pretty big role. Love that. How about some synergy between uh, the, the two coaching staffs here working together, man? I like yeah. That. I mean, they did give Avery Johnson a tour of the basketball facilities and he met the entire coach staff. I did. And what, when, and so when I spoke with him, I asked, I was like, are you like actually entertaining being a two sports star? And he laughed and he said, no, but he just wanted to check it out because he's a basketball fan. Well, I mean, look, I'm just saying now we're about, we're going to talk some basketball recruiting here in a second, but I mean, they still have three scholarships open. Yeah, well, it's he cool. wouldn't get a scholarship though, right? Yeah. He'd be the football. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying they don't have, have... you seen him dunk a basketball in games, though? Dude yes, can... yes. No, I mean, he's a stud. The The point there being like, uh, yeah, the, framing it as scholarships available was the wrong way to do that. The point is yeah. there, there are some minutes available. There's some seats on the bench available. You know, yeah. you want to go be a two-sport? Rashad Washington back in the day was a two-sport athlete for a hot minute. Yeah. Uh, NFL safety played a little I, hoops. I can't imagine doing that, too, because those two sports tend to overlap at the end. A lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Yes, they overlap a lot. I don't, I don't know how you'd really uh, pull that off, but I digress. Okay, any anything else recruiting-wise trending in the right direction that we need to be paying attention why, uh, for football-wise? Football, you know, plenty more visits are on the docket. Um, there's actually probably upwards of 10, so it's it's hard to pin down which ones uh, to kind of discuss, I, you know. But there's going to be a lot of movement in, in the next two or three weeks, and – if things continue down the path that they are, it's going to be a lot of good movement for Kansas State. Um, it, things would have to go plenty sideways for them to not have, in my view, I don't know if it'll look like it ranking-wise, hopefully it does, the best class under Chris Kleiman. Yeah, which would have to be the best class in in a while. I, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think when the last, I don't know, the 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 went up yeah. in the 40s maybe? Well, yeah, the only ones that, the, I mean, Chris Kleiman, Bill Snyder has some classes in Rivals back in the day in the early era of Rivals. So I don't know if that's like 2000, maybe the early 2000s that are ranked like 14th and 15th in the country. So um, there was that one time under Bill Snyder where they were really raking as well. Um, well, yeah, and, listen, don't get me started. The difference between Snyder 1.0 and 2.0, I mean, you kids have no idea. Like, there were badasses running around all over the place. Uh, Snyder 1.0. They had legitimately very talented teams. It was not. And it wasn't all JUCO kids too. If you go back and look at some of those, they, no. they had some really good high school pools. No, I mean they 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 snuck. I, someone reminded me of this the other day. Like they backdoored Vince Young in for like an unofficial visit at one point in time. Like because that when he was coming out, Vince that was like at the peak of K State's powers and doing it with Michael Bishop and L. Roberson. So like you can understand how there would be mm -hmm. a little bit of interest there. Yeah, I'm and then very excited about that. Ladanian Tomlinson was on campus too, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, uh, Gilbert Gilbert Arenas is one that Tom Asbury supposedly screwed up once upon a time. Like, there have been some good ones. Yeah, there have been some good ones. Um, all right, we're going to talk some basketball recruiting. We'll take a break real quick and uh, get you the latest on what's going on with K-State's basketball commits coming up next. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, back here on the Three Mop Pod, John Kurtz and Derek Young with you here today. Uh, we transition now to basketball where we've seen the uh, the bat signal, if you will, out 20. twice now in the last, uh, what, 24 hours or so from Jerome Tang, K-State uh, lands one that we know, one that we don't know yet officially. The one that we know is Desi Sills from Arkansas, which if you have been a, a pretty big college basketball fan, that's a name you may recognize. He, he played substantial minutes on an Elite Eight team at Arkansas two seasons ago, the 2021 season, where he averaged nearly eight points per game. And he becomes the ninth scholarship player that K-State has now uh, taken. And look, to me, this is a pretty simple one. This is a guy that – yeah, he had a 10-point-per-game season at Arkansas as well the year before. He played three years at Arkansas, one year this past year at Arkansas State, which was only because his transfer to Auburn didn't go through due to some academic issues. So, I mean, th- this has been a pretty good SEC basketball player involved with two very good SEC basketball programs. And when you're a guy that's proven you can score eight to ten points per game at the Power 5 level at an SEC school that has had the success that Arkansas has had here the last couple of years – I mean, I'm sold. Like K-State's just in a position where you you need to take a guy like that. Absolutely need to take a guy like that, especially when he plays the two. So um, all things considered, when I think it was looking a little bleak and we were freaking out about what was going to happen, who actually is out there available, um, this poll that came a little bit more out of left field, at least to me, maybe you can speak more to that, Derek, I, I think is a very, very good one. Very solid addition here. Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, it was starting – Maybe it wasn't looking bleak, but it felt bleak, right? Because, you know, people like us, people that are listening to us, we could all be irrational when it's sitting here June at the time, maybe June 12th, and you had eight guys and, you know, you're, you're wondering where some of the scoring is going to come from, especially on the perimeter, because you probably feel pretty good, right, about Naquan Tomlin. I think you, people should feel good about Naquan Tomlin. You feel pretty good about Marquise Noel and is able in his way of distributing the basketball and and really pressuring the ball from a defensive standpoint because he's going to have a ton of length behind him. Like this team is, I'll just say this: this team's upside and ceiling on the defensive end is probably ridiculous at this point. Yes. yes. Offense, you have some concerns still. Desi Sills alleviates some of those. Um, the, he can really score the basketball. He can get to the rim. Pretty strong, sturdy guard as well. Some people throwing out like Barry Brown type of you know similarities there. I think he's probably a little bit more athletic, but I don't know that he's going to have the the same impact. Perry Brown was pretty impactful his final two years in Manhattan. So that's a pretty steep um, comparison, but it's, uh, you know, that you can say those two in the same sentence, at least is probably pretty reassuring given what you, you know, currently had on the perimeter. So the only knock, I don't know if it's a knock, the only concern, it's not a big one because, before he got to Arkansas State, he was seen as an above-average three-point shooter. I think he was a career 35% 
three-point shooter um, before his stop at Arkansas State, where I think he was probably taking worse shots at that point in Arkansas State, I think we can say, because he's probably the most talented guy, probably forcing some things maybe he shouldn't have, probably on the ball more. He's a better player off the ball, which is good because – then he'll be a pretty good, you know, pairing with Marquise Noel. He only shot 25% from the three-point line this past year. Um, that scares me a little. But before that, he was averaging 35%. So you just got to yeah. hope that it's a blip on the radar because it, um, his career percentage is now 33%. So, I mean, last year really tanked, really tanked his numbers from shooting from the outside. Yeah, and I mean it's just a situation where I yes, is it kind of concerning? It it is, but you're you're in a beggars can't be chooser sort of position here. I mean, you know, most of the options that are still available now, they're gonna come with some kind of flaw like that. There's there's a reason that in most cases they're still around right now, and you just you have to take your chances with it. Um, but I, I think all things can this seems like a very high floor, right? Like th- this seems like a guy with a very high floor, like even if yeah. he's struggles to shoot and he's like 26 27 28 from three he's still a guy that can go get you some buckets at the rim and defend pretty well and just give you experience a guy that's played three years in the sec and another year at uh at arkansas state like four years of college basketball like this is a very high floor kind of guy which i think is something that they definitely need because we have all these you know you have the jarell colberts and, and cam carters of the world guys that didn't contribute a whole lot uh, at their previous stops that seemed to have high ceilings, but also could have low floors. This is a, a different kind of dude. Yep. And I mean, like you said, beggars can't be choosers. Needed a guard that can score. He can certainly do that. He fits what they wanted, what they needed. Do they need another one? You bet. <laughs> Probably yeah. need somebody similar to him. Um, and then you're, then you'd be sitting at 11. If, if you do that, can you get to 11? Can you get to 12? Um, you'd like to think so. You'd like to hope so. But th- those are probably going to be perimeter players as well, number 11 and number 12, because I know we're going to talk about it and probably dance around it a little bit because it's not official. So um, can't really go on the record with anything. But, you know, they have four forwards on the roster, really, with Manning, Tomlin, Masood, and um, probably missing one, and Gasson, right? Don't need really another forward or, like, a guys that can play the three, the four. Um and after this recent transfer, the the other bat single out from head coach Jerome Tang. We know one was Desi Sills, and another one came out afterwards. And it's not official, but it's a transfer big that can really rebound the basketball at a, at a very high level. Um, so you're probably going to be satisfied and complete there as well. I think you have six guys that can play in the front court now with those four names I said, Jarrell Colbert and the newest commit um, that's also a transfer from a mid-major school. So everything else, guards and scorers on the perimeter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like my my fears are starting to be assuaged a little bit here in, in terms of at least having a team that should be com- competitive, competitive yeah. enough. Whereas, you know, for a while there, it was like, okay, is this going to be another year where you just go into the season knowing that you're going to finish ninth or 10th in the league? I, I mean, I think they're putting together something that at least gives me some optimism that they can be scrappy competitive and and rely on kind of what we talked about like defense which clearly tang and baylor value immensely and with the link that they have and a guy like sills now on the perimeter like you know you're building a pretty good defensive team here where even if they do have some offensive struggles hopefully there's a path to be like what iowa state was last year which is a team that you know plays games in the 40s and 50s and we we talked about this quite a bit but it's just like everything continues to push toward that i don't think they're i would agree like it's safe to say at this point that defense will be the, the strength of this team versus what they would be able to do offensively 
You, know, you just don't have that one score like they do. Well, at least you don't think you do. I don't know if Iowa State thought they had that with Isaiah Brockington before the season. True. Well, um, maybe they do, and we just don't know. Maybe that's Naquan Tomlin. Well, so reason. I was going to say, so you, you've really, you and Cole both have told me a lot. Like, there's, there's some pretty quiet hype about Naquan Tomlin and, and the ceiling yeah. that he has. Uh, Juco player that K-State got. So I think even for a lot of the fans, he probably flies under the radar a little bit more because it's it's a little sexier, you know, to be picking up the the transfer portal guys that used to be top 100, top 50 recruits. Uh, Tomlin wasn't that, and he spent three years in Juco ball, but it sounds like there is a lot of love for what his ceiling could be. Yeah, there is. I mean, there's. I think there's an argument to be made right now that he is by a wide margin the best player that they've added in the offseason. That's how much people think of him. And look, I know he's older, right? I think he's like, he's old enough to drink. I mean, he's not 18, 19 years old. So you think of someone like that probably doesn't have a whole lot of upside left because usually they're, you get close to being tapped out, right? At 21, 22. That was the concern that came to fruition with Selton Miguel, I think. Um, but with Tomlin, that, that's probably not really the case because he is such a, unique story he didn't play basketball until juco like i don't know how that happens don't don't get me wrong he, he didn't play high school basketball so in terms of just what his skill development can be it's through the roof and so you gotta like just the potential and upside there um and and i'll shed light a little bit more on the newest commit and without going into too far who it is they brought in a a uh transfer from Alabama to fill that spot on an official visit. Alex Chaku, remember that? Mm -hmm. Obviously, he got quiet and they didn't land him. This is probably a better pickup than him. I think the the new transfer they added is a one-year guy, though, and Alex Chaku would have had three, four years left of eligibility. So they're far different. I think Alex Chaku maybe ends up being the better player between the two, but they already had Jarrell Colbert, a pretty good guy that plays that position that's going to be around for multiple years. So I think this guy is just more of a fit because he's someone that can play right now. And that's not that Jarrell Colbert can't, but that's probably what you didn't have is, you know, a guy that was experienced, older. What, what did, I mean, Jerome Tang said it, you know, when we asked him, I think it was at the Kansas City Catbacker, you know, what's left that you want to add in the transfer portal or, or to this roster? Because I think they were still stuck at seven or eight players. And he said grown-ass men, I think. I think that was his thing. And Desi Sills is grown-ass men. He's he's played four years of college basketball, um, knows how to score, grown-ass man. This big that they just added also played four years of college basketball. He, he's actually going to get five years in because he took advantage of a COVID year. So these are grown-ass men. This is exactly what Jerome Tang said he wanted when we spoke to him, what was that, three, four weeks ago at this point. Right. And to, to cap off this whole discussion here, I mean, it seems like there are – a lot of positive things happening with the 23 class in terms of high school recruits with a couple of four-star prospects, Layden Blocker being one, and then Day-Day Ames being another one. And mm-hmm. Ames, do, do we know about a visit now? Yeah, he'll, he'll what be, can we say on that? He's visiting next week, whether it's Monday or Wednesday, that keeps coming back and forth. But Day-Day Ames, I don't know that I would agree with that. He's actually rated higher than Layden Blocker on Rivals, which is mm-hmm. interesting. They both play the same position. Uh, Day-Day's a lefty. Um, good name, good name too. Darren Ains is his yeah. name, but I like the day-day nickname. Uh, yeah, he's visiting Kansas State. I think it's an official visit next week. So, assuming that they can land one more, like 
Desi Sills-ish kind of a guy, plus the transfer that we know is also coming in here to kind of round out the current roster. And then it puts you at 11. And then if you get one or two of those commits for the 23 class that are high four-star prospects, like all of a sudden I think we'll be, we'll be feeling a lot better. And yeah, and I guess I'll cap it off by saying this too. I know I've said it before. I don't know if I said it on our podcast. So three mall listeners probably might be the first time. I know everyone wants to win right away. And you feel like in the age of the transfer portal that everyone feels like they have an obligation to win right away because you can turn over so quickly and be competitive. A number of teams did it. But with that being said, they are really building towards having a very, very good roster. Not this year, but the next one. Yeah. And and I know it's hard and people don't really care about it anymore because of the transfer portal. And, and, and it's hard to sustain this because of the transfer portal as well. But I think Jerome Tang, you know, he's what, he's 55, 56 years old. He's got coaches that have been coaching the game the way they have. They What they had cooking at Baylor was – was a program, not a different roster all the time. Even when, you know, the transfer portal is fired up, they still have a program. They still have guys. I mean, Matthew Mayer was like the first, I think, notable that left. Um, but that's really all they've had. They had Kendall Brown, but he's going to the NBA. They they built a program. They don't lose guys as much as everyone else. And they, they keep guys. And it's, it's not like a roster that looks – you know, drastically different year after year. And I think it's a challenge in this new era of college athletics, but I think Jerome Tang, and, and hopefully he can do this at a successful rate. I think he is still insistent on building a program that is like that, where you do have the same players staying in the program year after year. It's tough to do. I hope he can do it, but I think that's what he wants to do. And you know what? Taking guys via the transfer when they're only freshmen and sophomores, that's a good way to do it because yes. now they can't leave again for yep. at least not until they graduate. Yep. Well, they can, they just have to sit out a year. So true. And they're it would be like the it. traditional transfer, which I think is something people forget about. And you're right. That is, that is a great way to do it right now. If you, if you want to build for the long term. So they, yes, they I, I think there are some good things happening there. I think there's some good things happening there for sure. Yeah. I um, mean, they, they did it with Drell Colbert and Cam Carter. So, well, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Three Ma. Again, assuming we get things coordinated, which it sounds like we are for a show tomorrow with a guest that we've had kind of on deck for a while here. I hate to keep teasing you guys with that, but I believe uh, Cole and Derek will have that for you tomorrow. So stay tuned for that, giving you a little bit of bonus Three Ma action. As always, we appreciate Holiday Distillery for all their support. Go check out 360 Vodka. Go check out their new bourbon as well. If that is more your style, whatever the occasion, Holiday Distillery can get you hooked up with that. For Tucker Franklin behind the scenes, for Derek Young, for not Cole Manbeck, I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to 3Mod today. Take care. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.